0: Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and Redeemer. The story of the rich young man appears in all three synoptic gospels. So we are confronted on a fairly regular basis with this well known story, which no doubt. Is this troubling to you as it is to me? And it was even to the disciples who exclaimed, if this is true, who can be saved? Even those following Jesus, those who had given up everything already, are perplexed when Jesus says how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. I think we're all so surprised, including those disciples, because it seems that people have always associated wealth with blessing. We think that when we have stuff, we earned it and that we deserve it and that it is a sign from God that we have been living right. In the case of the young man kneeling before Jesus, he affirms that, yes, yes, he has followed the commandments his whole life. He is faithful. He's a prayerful person. And his question is an honest one. He's heard about Jesus, about Jesus' teaching. So he comes to see the good teacher to find out what he needs to do next. So that he can obtain the ultimate blessing, eternal life. In this way of thinking, reflected here by the young man, and certainly now in our national conversations about poverty and wealth, about who is deserving. We see this worldview that having money suggests God's approval and our righteous living. So, like the young man, one would logically assume that the path to the kingdom is for us. But then Jesus gives us that image of an enormous camel. It's kind of the biggest, smelliest, bumpiest thing, if you've ever been close to a camel. Right next to that little tiny That you see in a sewing needle that I can barely see anymore because I'm losing my vision. Even a two-year-old can see that this is not going to go through that. It's an absurd image indeed. So what are we to do with this? I want to suggest three things to ponder and pray about. One, Jesus actually responds to the young man's question with respect. We are told that he looks at him with love. He looks at him and loves him. That very real love that Jesus has for each of his children For you, for me, for the wealthy, the poor, the misguided, the fearful, the lost. He loves us because He is God, God with us, who knows us and loves us, who is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of our hearts and before whom no creature is hidden, as the writer of Hebrews reminded us just now. The question the young man asks, I believe, was an honest desire to go deeper in his relationship to God. And Jesus's reply, go and sell all you have and give it to the poor and follow me, is an honest desire response a costly response a response requiring great sacrifice more than the young man was willing or able to do at that time perhaps he went home and prayed about it perhaps he made a different decision later on we don't know he's never mentioned again question for each one of us today is what might be the sacrifice the costly letting go that we may need in order to move closer to God and what is our process of discerning that and then perhaps even grieving it and then making the leap. You may remember the story of Jesus calling the first disciples, Simon Peter and Andrew, they were fishermen. And when Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people, they dropped their nets and followed him. There's something about following Jesus that requires letting go. That requires having empty hands that holding on too tightly to material things, whether that's literally hoarding wealth or even holding on to old ideas and ways of doing things, things that can keep our hands from being open to receive from others and to reach out to others. It's not about money or things being inherently bad It's about our posture toward them. How free are we to give and to receive and to participate in God's work of the kingdom? Three. Listen again to what the young man asked Jesus. He said, what must I do To inherit eternal life. What must I do? There's an assumption in the question that he is the agent. And that he is doing. He assumes, as most of us do, that we are in charge of pretty much everything. That there is something we can do to get this eternal life, to get this life of the kingdom. My New Testament professor, Clifton Black, wrote Ultimately, salvation cannot lie in mortal hands, it resides only with God. So our hope, our hope for this eternal life, for being part of God's kingdom, is only because of God's grace. The saving action of Christ on the cross for us. The impossible thing for mortals, right? Impossible to die and rise again. That thing, that impossible thing has already happened. Jesus was raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, and will return on the final judgment day when all things will be restored and reconciled for all time. We receive this truth when we hold our empty hands out and receive the bread and the wine at communion. We receive this truth when we pray with open hearts, thy will be done. This grace is a gift given to us, for us, not earned. It's not because of our good deeds, but given out of pure love. struggle with this. Even today's collect talks about good works. It's a very hard mindset to shift. But it's related to our belief that our prosperity is because we are good people, faithful people, hardworking, thrifty. You know the litany. We all know it. But the news is that's so hard to grasp is that God's kingdom is breaking through already the reconciling work of Christ is here and all our doing all our doing all our good works if we understand this is participation in this kingdom work God's work God is doing it. We are following. And it turns out that we follow most effectively when we are free from worldly constraints. We do this work most effectively when we see the landscape of the kingdom. Where all God's children are loved and valued, fed, safe from gun violence, from being separated from their parents, from being locked in solitary confinement or subject to an unequal criminal justice system. We see the land where the last shall be first. When we act in the kingdom, we do so alongside Christ, looking always for signs of the kingdom breaking through this fallen world and holding out our hands to receive God's grace and mercy. Professor Black again. Life in God's eternal presence depends on conduct consistent with God's eternal will For justice among his creatures. Such, however, is impossible for mortals without God's gracious help. It's impossible for us. Without God's gracious help. In the case of the rich young man, he had money to give to the poor. What is the thing you cling to, believing it will save you? The gospel is good news when we can fully embrace Jesus' statement, for mortal salvation is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. So may we open our hearts and our hands to let go of the presumption that we can save ourselves so that we are free, free to receive God's grace and mercy and love. And may all our doing, may we be wearing those kingdom glasses in all our doing. And may our work be kingdom driven. Amen.